Welcome to Philosophers on Medicine. Side effects include having your mind blown. I'm Jonathan Fuller. The best physician is also a philosopher. This is the title of a book by Galen, the famous physician of antiquity. Was Galen right? Or is it that for many problems in healthcare, philosophy is the best medicine? In this podcast series, I speak to philosophers about their work on medicine and healthcare. We will hear from philosophers on the meaning and reality of disease, on their skeptical worries about evidence-based medicine, on current movements and controversies that shake medicine to its philosophical foundations. To help me speak a bit more about the philosophy of medicine, I've enlisted Dorian Deschauer, psychiatrist at the University of Toronto and associate editor of the Canadian Medical Association Journal. Jonathan, thanks for sitting down with me. Thanks for sitting down with me, Dorian. Can you tell our listeners about your podcast series called Philosophers on Medicine? Sure. So Philosophers on Medicine is a new podcast series where I interview philosophers of medicine about their philosophical research on topics ranging from a cross-cultural understanding of medicine to various movements in contemporary Western medicine including evidence-based medicine, narrative medicine, precision medicine, and other topics besides. And I started this podcast series in part to bring philosophy down to medicine and healthcare in order to show why philosophy of medicine is important for healthcare professionals and the public, also for some good old-fashioned entertainment. So when you use the term philosophy of medicine, what exactly are you talking about? Philosophy of medicine is a subdiscipline of philosophy that asks questions specifically about healthcare research and healthcare practice. And broadly, there are two kinds of questions that a philosopher of medicine will ask. The first kind are known as metaphysical or conceptual questions, and they concern aspects of medical reality or the nature of entities we encounter in the clinic, like diseases, and mental disorders. And we can similarly ask questions about our concepts of disease and mental disorder, how they change over time, how they structure diagnosis, and so on. The second kind of question that a philosopher of medicine might ask is known as an epistemic question. It's a question about our medical knowledge, reasoning, or evidence. Questions like, what kind of evidence should we use in healthcare? And how can we combine various kinds of evidence in making a good clinical decision? Now, our listeners might be familiar with a third kind of philosophical question that pops up frequently in medicine, and that's an ethical question. Bioethics is the discipline that typically takes on ethical questions as they relate to healthcare practice. And perhaps by convention, bioethical questions are often excluded from philosophy of medicine by philosophers of medicine, probably because the bioethics is its own established discipline with its own traditions, um, its own funding, and so forth, while the other kinds of philosophical questions I mentioned, the conceptual ones, the ones having to do with our knowledge, have received far less attention. So there's a convention that philosophy of medicine, though encompassing the philosophical questions that have to do with healthcare, will exclude the bioethical questions because they receive a pretty good treatment elsewhere. 
You used a couple of terms that I think our listeners might not be so familiar with. Uh, one is metaphysics, and the other is epistemology. And I have a sense that people will wonder, well, what does this have to do with anything practical? Uh, isn't this just armchair thinking? Can you tell us a little bit, first of all, what you mean by those terms, and why you think doctors should turn their attention to questions that, that are normally falling under terms like metaphysics and epistemology? Sure. So uh, metaphysics is an area of philosophy that looks at the nature of the entities we encounter. So in medicine, we encounter diseases, we encounter health, we encounter ideas like medical risk, and we encounter other ideas as well, like causation. We have to have some sort of a grips on what these terms mean and what they actually refer to, the nature of the entities themselves, if we're going to engage in meaningful conversation with each other, and if we're going to actually use these terms effectively. If we want to actually make a diagnosis, we have to understand what the target of that diagnosis is, what it means to diagnose a disease, a mental disorder, and whatnot. And we get by in medicine, I think, because oftentimes we have a basic implicit understanding of these terms. However, sometimes, because we don't have so much of a rigorous, explicit understanding, we might run into conceptual confusions, talk past each other, and get into quite heated debates that ultimately, at their root, have a confusion over the meaning of the underlying concepts or the nature of the entities to which they refer. One way we can see these debates manifested is every time the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders is revised. The DSM relies upon a concept of mental disorder that determines what kinds of entities are included in the manual. And that understanding and the structure of the diagnostic framework changes every so often. And every time it does, we get into debates about whether mental disorder X or mental disorder Y should or should not be included and where the boundaries of different mental disorders should lie. Those are fundamentally conceptual questions, the kinds of questions that a philosopher of medicine can ask. The other kind of question you mentioned were epistemic questions or epistemological questions. These are questions about medical evidence and medical reasoning. In order to know whether I have evidence for why or even whether I know why, we have to have some understanding of what evidence is and how we go about gathering medical knowledge in the first place in general. And then in specific cases, we could decide whether or not we have good evidence or good knowledge of why. Some more Particular questions we might ask in this area are, once we've looked at a clinical trial and determined that the treatment was effective and safe for that population, how can we then take that aggregate outcome measured in the clinical trial and apply it in some sense to our patient here in the real world who's not a population but an individual? That kind of reasoning or inference is a little bit nebulous in medicine. We haven't given it as much attention as I think we should but it's the kind of question that a philosopher who's interested in medical reasoning might ask. So you can see that although these questions are somewhat abstract, they do seem to have direct implications for how we practice healthcare. Could you tell us a little bit about other kinds of questions that philosophers of medicine might ask? Sure. There are popular lines of inquiry in philosophy of medicine that include questions about our concepts of disease, mental disorder, how we define these things, how we structure our diagnostic categories. And there are other popular lines of inquiry as well. 
For instance, there's a popular line of research that looks at evidence-based medicine, whether some of the claims of evidence-based medicine about which kinds of evidence are more reliable than others are justified. But there are many other questions we could ask as well, some of which are underexplored. So there are timeless questions like, what is medicine? What is it that unites these various, in some cases, quite diverse medical practices over time and across cultures? Or what are diseases and are diseases real, as they quite seem to be for those who are suffering from them? Or are they constructed, as some social scientists and philosophers would have us believe? Those are timeless, long-standing questions that I don't think will go away. But there are also topical questions that pop up now and then. So one question we might ask is, how should we understand contemporary vaccine hesitancy and contemporary mistrust in medical science and medicine? Or what is overdiagnosis and what causes overdiagnosis in contemporary medicine? So obviously you'd like to see philosophy more integrated into medicine. But if philosophy is useful for medicine, why hasn't it made a greater impact on medicine to date? I think in the area of bioethics, which looks at the ethical problems of practice, it has made quite an impact. Bioethics is now taught in medical schools around the world. It's looked at as a core discipline within medicine. But I think you're right that in terms of the other kinds of questions I've been mentioning, questions about medical concepts and medical reasoning, philosophy of medicine, disappointingly, hasn't made all that much of an impact yet. And I think there are perhaps a few reasons for that. The first reason is that philosophers have not been focusing their attention on medicine for all that long. In fact, the philosophy of medicine as a discipline is probably only a couple of decades old. Only now have we built up a literature in philosophy of medicine. Only now do we have regular conferences. Only now do we have philosophers, professional philosophers, who identify themselves as doing philosophy of medicine. So that's to say there just hasn't been that much time yet where philosophers have been concentrating on medicine. But I think there are other good reasons too. Philosophers of medicine can't hope to make any impact on medicine unless they actually engage with medicine, with healthcare providers, researchers, and so forth. Thankfully, I think that this is something that philosophers of medicine have done better than other philosophers before then. And I hope that'll continue in the future. But there's also perhaps a historical reason why I think philosophy has not made much of an impact on medicine. And that's because for most of its recent history, philosophy has been siloed off from the disciplines that it studies. Philosophy of science from science, medicine from medical practice, and philosophy of law from law, and so on. That wasn't always the case. Actually, if you look farther back, there was um, less of a sharp demarcation between philosophy and some of these disciplines like science and law, where the theorizing kind of was flowing directly into the practice itself, and it was hard to distinguish between the two. But somewhere along the line, I think the philosophy of these disciplines and the disciplines themselves split off like two lines diverging and grew farther apart. Science from philosophy of science, medicine from philosophy of medicine. They sort of started to speciate and eventually they didn't resemble each other in any meaningful sense. The questions that they asked were so different. Their fundamental concerns seemed so different. The language they spoke seemed incomprehensible to one another. They were no longer engaging meaningfully in dialogue with one another. 
And I think that's partly to explain why there has been more of an impact made by philosophers on practice. I think in order to resolve that problem, we have to reintegrate philosophy into the disciplines. In particular, we need to reintegrate philosophy of medicine into medicine and bring philosophy of medicine in as a part of medicine. So it sounds like you really think the philosophy of medicine should just be part of medicine. What exactly do you mean by that? And why do you think that? When I say that philosophy of medicine should be part of medicine, I'm speaking of medicine broadly to include both medical practice and medical research. And I think philosophy of medicine should be a part of medical research, just like the medical sciences, molecular biology, physiology, clinical epidemiology. These sciences are considered to be part of medical research, and their medical research is considered to be part of medicine because the work done by these researchers is so important to the ongoing, changing, developing practice of medicine. And similarly, I think that what philosophy of medicine does for us is that it develops our medical concepts, our clinical reasoning, our ethical principles. And these concepts, reasoning principles, constitute the foundations of medicine upon which medical practice relies. So just like we consider the medical sciences to be a part of medicine because they provide the scientific knowledge and evidence upon which practice relies, we should consider philosophy of medicine to be part of medicine and medical research because it provides the important scholarship underlying the foundations of medicine. So it seems like you're going a lot beyond evidence-based medicine or the belief that, that we can have empirical facts that ground what we call uh, modern medicine. It sounds like you think the foundations of medicine should be something other than than facts, other than scientific facts. Is that what, what you're saying? Yes, I do think that. The term evidence-based medicine is perhaps meant to convey the idea that medicine should be based, grounded, founded on scientific evidence. But I think there's a problem with thinking that the foundations of medicine consist in medicine's evidence or knowledge. For one thing, our knowledge and evidence is changing all the time. It grows, it develops, sometimes it's overturned, and therefore it makes a very shaky foundation for medicine at best. But moreover, we can still and we must still practice medicine even in situations of ignorance, even when there is no scientific knowledge and evidence to call upon. And it's because we do practice medicine even when we don't have knowledge and evidence to back us up that I think medicine's foundations can't be our evidence and knowledge. Medicine's foundations are the structures that allow us to still practice medicine even in cases of ignorance. And that's why I say medicine's foundations consist in things like our concepts, our reasoning and principles of reasoning, and our ethical principles. Because it's without those core components, that structure, that we really couldn't practice medicine. So think about trying to make a diagnosis without having concepts and reasoning. On the first hand, we wouldn't know what the target of the diagnosis would be. What is a disease and you know, what is it we're actually trying to diagnose? And then without some sort of diagnostic conceptual framework, we wouldn't be able to fit that particular disease into a particular diagnostic category. And then we have to ask the question, you know, what are the ends towards which we're making this diagnosis in the first place? Why bother? Or is the quest perhaps futile? So we need goals and ethical principles to guide the process itself. A similar argument can be made in the area of therapy. We have concepts in therapy like medical risk, 
what does that mean? And how does epidemiological risk measured in populations relate to an individual patient's risk that we're ultimately trying to improve with some of our therapies? How do we actually bridge that, that inference gap between study populations and the evidence on those study populations and the individual patient in front of us? That's a question, again, about reasoning principles. And then finally, every treatment has risks and harms. So how do we weigh these along with the values of our patient and our own values in making a decision? And that's a practical or ethical question. So we need to rely upon these concepts, these ethical principles, and these principles of good reasoning in order to do diagnosis and to do treatment. And that's why I think they constitute the very foundations of medicine. And that's why I think we need philosophy of medicine to be more integrated into medicine. How would you suggest that that could be accomplished? Are there any models internationally, um, any examples that we can look to? I don't think that any one approach in isolation should be the only approach we take. I think there are multiple potential approaches we could take in order to reintegrate philosophy of medicine into medicine. One example that I've seen out there in the real world are creative collaborations between uh, philosophers of medicine and health scientists, healthcare providers, health educators. I'm thinking of examples like the EBM Plus project in the United Kingdom that looks at evidence-based medicine and expanding it to include our knowledge of basic biomedical mechanisms. There is the Cause Health project in Norway, which looks at causation in healthcare. In Canada, at the Rotman Institute of Philosophy at Western University, there are multiple projects that involve philosophers working alongside scientists that are directly relevant to medicine. And in Toronto, we've started a Toronto Philosophy of Medicine and Healthcare Network that hopes to accomplish similar things. So that's strategy number one, where we still have people working within their traditional disciplines, but they collaborate with each other in creative ways. I think another strategy is actually to make use of some of medicine's institutional resources, which means philosophers of medicine accessing medical funding, medical affiliations, and even medical appointments. This could work well for philosophers because philosophy departments are graduating far more philosophy PhDs than their departments have faculty positions for at the moment. So why not make use of these brilliant people and actually stick them in academic medicine? By this I mean actually hire philosophers of medicine in faculties or schools of medicine, in schools of public health, and perhaps also in interdisciplinary centers, centers for medical education research, centers for the medical humanities, and so on, to physically and institutionally bring philosophy into medicine. And I don't think that all philosophers need to do this. I don't think that all philosophers need to collaborate closely with practitioners, nor that all of them need to immerse themselves institutionally in medicine. And my reason for thinking this is that there are plenty of philosophers of medicine that are doing great work as it is from their traditional locations and philosophy departments. But even in those cases, what we need to do better is we need to take those fundamental insights that philosophers of medicine are generating and actually translate them into practical changes, improvements in practice, in education, and in research. What can our listeners do to learn more about the philosophy of medicine? Well, you could listen to our podcast series, Philosophers on Medicine. (laughs) Well, Jonathan, thank you very much. To hear more Philosophers on Medicine, visit www.philosophersonmedicine.com or find us on iTunes or Google Play.